Have any of you ever watched the Animal Planet channel? Anybody? I, my husband and I like to watch it every once in a while, and I, I read a story about a man and his son who loved to watch the Animal Planet together. That was one of the things that they made sure they did together. And their favorite episode was about the elephant seals of Argentina. The show focused on a mother and her seal pup who had just been born. Well, very soon after giving birth to her baby, the mother, of course, was famished. And so she left the pup on the shore so she could go back into the water and eat. Well, after her feeding, she returned to a different part of the beach and began to call for her baby. Well, other mothers had also given birth, and they were also looking for their pups. And there was this upheaval, this cacophony of sound. It appeared that none of them could find their pups. Well, the camera follows this one mother as she called her pup over and over and over again and listens for the response. Following each other's voices and each other's sense, soon the mother and the pup are reunited. The host of the show explained that from the moment of birth, the sound and the scent of the pup are imprinted in the mother's memory. And the sound and the scent of the mother are imprinted in the pup's memory. As the father and son watched the scene, the father turned to the son and said, you know, that's how it is with God. We are imprinted with a memory of God, and God is imprinted with a memory of us. And even if it takes a lifetime, we will find each other. Our gospel story this morning, Jesus and the fishermen find each other. One must wonder about Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the famous fishermen of our gospel. I very much doubt that when in the pre-dawn hours they roused from their sleep and had a bite to eat and headed to their boats on the seashore, I very much doubt that they had any idea what their day was going to bring, what was going to happen to them, how their lives would be changed forever. They were fisherfolk. That's how they made their living. That's all they'd ever known. And it was probably a good life for them. Fishing was a lucrative and respected profession in those days. However, I imagine, like most of us, they experienced moments of frustration in their job. But never, never, never had they thought about leaving it. At least, not until now. Not until they encountered Jesus, the rabbi who would change their lives through an invitation and a call, a simple invitation, two words, follow me. 
follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Fishing in this sense means inviting others to come, to come and follow, to know about Jesus, to experience the love and mercy and compassion of Jesus. And on the face of it, it seems so simple. Peter, Andrew, James, and John just trusted Jesus. Matthew's Gospel doesn't tell us why. It only infers by their acceptance of Jesus' invitation. I like to think, or I like to wonder, that perhaps the memory of God's imprint within them from their birth awoke in them in a way that they knew, they just knew that they must trust this man, Jesus. And so they follow him, and they become his disciples, sharing the good news of God's kingdom through Jesus. They accept God's grace, and they answer God's call, and they proclaim God's good, new, God's good news, and they trust, and they follow, and they witness to the love of Jesus. Now, I suspect that many of us in this room could share some sort of story of God's imprint on our lives. I'm wondering how many of us have shared that story or those stories with someone else. When have we talked about the imprint of God on our lives, about Jesus at work in our lives, about the Spirit's transform, transforming Spirit in our lives? When have we told someone about that experience? There is a story that Tony Campolo, who is a, an evangelist and an author, he tells. It's about a young college student that he met on one of his um, rallies, one of his evangelical rallies. This is the story that the young man told. He says, I got converted my senior year of high school. I was a fresh, eager Christian. So when Dr. Campolo came to our town to speak, I went to hear him. He was great. And after he spoke, he asked us to sign up for his program of inner sending ministry. So I raised my hand and I said, yes, I want to go. Well, in mid-June, I met, he says, about 100 other kids in the Baptist church in Philadelphia. We did a lot of singing while we waited for Dr. Campola to arrive. We were really, really worked up. We were enthusiastic. We were singing songs of faith and hope, and we were ready to go. Do you remember what it was like when you were a teenager and everything was so exciting? Yes, we're ready to go for Jesus. And Dr. Campolo came and he preached, and when he finished, people were standing and shouting. They were standing on the pews. Oh my gosh, standing on the pews. And it was great. And they were ready to go. Okay, gang, he says. Let's go. Go get on the bus. We're going to go tell them about Jesus. Yeah, we're going. So they got on the bus. They spilled out into the courtyard and got onto this bus. Now the church that they had been sitting in, standing in, singing in, 
was kind of in a not such a good part of town. And they got on the bus, still singing, still enthusiastic, still sharing. And they began to notice that they were driving deeper and deeper and deeper into the city. And it was getting darker and darker and darker. Gradually, they stopped singing. Everybody went quiet as they looked out the windows at the tenement buildings and the trash and the poor and the homeless. Where were we going? Where were they asking us to go? He said, I was just a little bit scared. Well, we finally pulled up before one of the worst-looking housing projects in Philadelphia. Dr. Campolo stood at the open door of the bus and says, All right, gang, get out there and tell them about Jesus. I'll be back at 5 o'clock. The young man said, we made our way hesitantly off the bus. We stood there on that corner, we had a prayer, and then we spread out. He says, I walked down the sidewalk and stopped before a huge tenement house. He said, I gulped, I said a quick prayer, and then I ventured inside. There was this really, really terrible odor, and all the windows were out. There were no windows. The light, there were no lights in the hallway, and I walked up one flight of stairs toward a door where I could hear a baby crying, and I knocked on the door. Who is it? A loud voice came. And the door was cracked open, and a woman, a woman stood there holding a naked baby, peering out at me. What do you want? She said in a harsh voice. I want to tell you about Jesus. With that, she swung the door open and began cursing at me. She cursed me all the way down the hall, all the way down the steps, and all the way out onto the sidewalk. I felt terrible. Look at me, I said to myself. Some Christian I am. How in the world could somebody like me think I could tell somebody else about Jesus? And I sat down on the curb. And I cried. Then I looked up. And I noticed that there was a store, or what it appeared to be a store, over on the corner. I couldn't tell if it was open. There was bars on the windows. The doors were all painted shut. So I went over, and sure enough, the store was open. I went in, and I looked around, and then I remembered the baby had no diapers. The mother was, a, was smoking. So I bought a box of paper diapers, and a pack of cigarettes. I walked back to the tenement house, and I said a prayer, and I walked in, and I walked up the flight of stairs, gulped, and stood before the door, 
and I knocked. Who is it? said the voice inside. When she opened the door, I slid the box of diapers and the cigarettes inside. She looked at them, and she looked at me. She said, come in. I stepped in that dingy apartment. Sit down, she commanded. I sat on the old sofa and began to play with the baby. I put a diaper on the baby, even though I'd never put a diaper on a baby before in my life. When the woman offered me a cigarette, even though I don't smoke, I smoked. I stayed there all afternoon, talking and playing with the baby, listening to the woman. About four o'clock in the afternoon, the woman looked at me and said, let me ask you something. What's a nice college boy like you doing in a place like this? So I told her everything I knew about Jesus, which took me about five minutes. (laughs) And then she said, pray for me. Pray for me that my child and I will get out of this place alive. And I prayed. That evening after we were all back on the bus, Tony asked, well, gang, did any of you get to tell them about Jesus? My hand went up. And I said, I not only got to tell him about Jesus, I met Jesus. I went out to save somebody, and I ended up being saved. My brothers and sisters, God calls us just as we are. Jesus did not ask the disciples not to be fishermen. He asked them, he compelled them, he invited them to use the skills they already had just in a different way. God will use whatever you have. Maybe it's a gift of hospitality. Maybe it's a desire to pray. Maybe it's an aptitude for organization. Maybe what God's using in you is the ability to sit quietly with someone in need. Maybe it's the strength of insight or a gift of encouragement. Maybe what God's using in you is the skill of hand to build and repair. Maybe God is using your sense of humor Or I even believe that God can use the talent of mischief. And of course, God, God is using through you a heart, a compassion, a love, a tenderness, and an understanding of your fellow human beings and the world around you. We are offered the opportunity to serve. God comes, Jesus comes and says, follow me. 
And God has given us the ability and gifts to serve. It's up to us. We can say yes or we can say no. If we say yes, it's a chance at going fishing with Jesus. Being fishers of people means surrendering to God, offering what we have for and to others. And often, often, in what we give, we get back so much more. Being fishers of people invites us to witness to the good news of love in Jesus Christ. Being fishers of people challenges us to get out of our comfort zone and trust that God will do the work that needs to be done even when we don't understand it and can't figure it out. No matter what, God will do that work through you. So, my fellow anglers for Christ, are you ready to go fishing? <laughs>